Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined as always by Dan Pump Me Up Kruger. That is not what anyone has ever called me. Ever. I'm calling you it now, and it's apropos because today we're going to dive into a pretty complicated topic that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. We're going to talk about biceps and triceps, mm. and trapeziuses, mm. and gluteus there we go. minimuses. Minimus. Yep. Maximus. And then after we've done all that <laughs> in under 10 minutes, we're going to dive into inflation. Mm. We've already wasted a minute on well, muscle groups. Well, I mean, wasted? <laughs> I don't know. I think we've laid the groundwork and set some expectations for our listeners. I think mm. they appreciate that. Yeah, the bar is Way down. Way low. Okay. So So it's time to trip over that bar and get over to the other side. So Dan, inflation, go. Mm. All right. (laughs) Inflation, a really convoluted and confusing topic, but basically what it is, is the consumer in America getting diluted by the government, right? You can look at this as you've got a partnership with your buddy, Joe, right? Oh no, can't use Joe. We actually do have a partnership with the Joe and he's going to think we're talking about him. We're not talking about you, Joe. He had a partnership with Jim. Sorry, Joe, not talking about you. Um, Jim, you got a partnership with him. You're 50-50 owners in this entity, right? And you both put in 100 bucks, and so the businesses were 200 bucks, right? You own 50% and Jim owns 50%. What if Jim went out and just created a few extra shares and sold them to his buddy? What happens to your shares? Well, maybe you sold another $100 worth of shares. All of a sudden, there's three people in there. There's $300 in the business. You only have a third now. Right. So more shares are getting created. You didn't get any money. Jim got some money from selling shares and uh, your shares are now worth a third of the pot instead of half of the pot. That's effectively what is happening with inflation. Because what happens is the government creates money out of nowhere. It ends up in the system and you get more dollars chasing more things. And each dollar is subsequently worth less uh, as they create more of it. So slowly but surely dollars are losing value over time. And that's basically what inflation is. Still convoluted, still confusing, but we got a few more minutes to so really clean this up. Yeah, so here's the problem is a lot of people, this is inflation is the silent killer. It's a silent expense or a silent tax that doesn't show up on a spreadsheet unless you're really looking for it and tracking data over an extended period of time, which is not how most people run their personal finances. All right. And so unless you're looking for it, you will not see it. And the problem for most people is because they don't see it, they they take that to mean it doesn't exist. And so they don't do anything proactively to mitigate that downside. Now, here's the problem. If I just am putting my money away into a savings account and making my 1% per year, well, I'm losing value because if inflation is, say, 5%, well, then every year my dollar is becoming 5% less valuable. And yet I'm earning 1%. So there's a 4% delta there. 
that's not any kind of way to generate wealth. You're just devaluing your, your worth over time. So this, this adage that we've used before is that the rich invest, the middle class saves, the poor spends. And the poor spends usually because they don't have the money coming in versus the money that needs to go out in bills every month is too tightly correlated. Like I only make a hundred bucks and I have a hundred dollars of expenses, nothing to save after that. Okay. That's one problem. Let's put that aside. Middle-class though, they, they are making enough money. They, they have a surplus, but they don't know what to do with that to invest it. And so they save it thinking that's what my mom and dad did. That works for them. Maybe sure. Um, but it doesn't work. And if you want to get to that next level, if you don't want to die a, a, a slow death to inflation, you got to be investing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a crummy, crummy situation, mostly because most people don't realize that it's happening. And by the time they do realize, it's too late. They realize that all of a sudden everything costs more and they're either making the same amount of money or they've been living off just a, a fixed lump sum, like maybe they're retired, but that's really who gets hurt. The most is the people who uh, live paycheck to paycheck and don't have any kind of cushion. And the people who live on fixed incomes, like people who are retired and are receiving social security, like those payments don't change. They don't go up with inflation. They get the same amount every single year. And if every year everything's costing five to six to seven to heck, look at gasoline and, and prices of meat, 10% more, right? That means every year, they get less and less and less for their money. Um, and so it's really just a sneaky tax is what it is. We've said it in previous episodes. There's two ways. There's two ways that the government can get money out of your pocket. One is they can tax you, uh, which is really not going to help their reelection goals. And number two is they can just create more dollars, put those in their pockets, use that to fund their needs, pay their debt, uh, do whatever it is they do with their money, mostly pay interest payments on their debt. Um, and then by the time money gets to you, it's worth significantly less than it was when they used it. So they can either just print money out of nowhere, which steals buying power from you, and that takes money out of your pocket later, or they can tax you. And so taxing just isn't popular, right? It's not going to win you votes. So they usually just do inflation these days. They print more money, they get the money they need, and the outcome is the same as creating a tax, but no one really knows that it happened. And so in my mind, that's more like stealing. Uh, it's almost like your your accountant, right? You pay them to manage your books, and turns out every month for the past or every year for the past five, ten, or let's let's be realistic, every year for the past ten or twelve years, they've been skimming five to seven percent every year, and not telling you. That's, what? That's stealing. Unacceptable. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the government does. And and at the end of the day, it's again the intentions versus the outcomes. When it comes to political decisions, these things are not very closely correlated. We want to do well um, for our. Um, people that we represent, but a lot of the things that we put into action aren't actually serving them on the long term because the election cycles are so short. Let's say I only need to get elected in a two year window. So I'm going to do things that make me more favorable in that time period. So one of those things is, Hey, we're going to give you money or we're going to subsidize and give you a $1,200 check. And that's going to be great. That's going to help you cover your rent right now. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't help the rest of your money, which is going to be devalued over the long period of time. And that tax, because nobody sees it and we're not going to the election polls and voting based off of that, we're going, hey, that guy gave me $1,200. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I would argue that that piece, that stimulus was actually perfect because then in that situation, the money actually went to the end user first. So that's great. $1,200 created ends up in uh, uh, Billy's hand or whoever. I can't. 
figure out any more Billy's. names easier. How many people do you uh, know? Joe the plumber. We'll go back to the- Joe. Yeah, <laughs> Joe's a plumber now. Okay. No, well, this is this is a Palin reference from like oh, gotcha. Ten years ago, yeah, yeah. Joe the plumber. I don't know who that is. Anyways, the average guy in America, right? And that's the only time where we've actually seen that where this money has been created and then actually sent to a consumer. It's always gone to other institutions first, mm-hmm. um, and so that is actually an effective solution. That's great. I'm glad they did that. It's all the other money that gets sloshed around that doesn't end up in the hands of the people that really need it. And a lot of the stuff they did during the pandemic is, you know, you had to do it. It's, it's what's been going on for the, over, over 10 years now since 2009. Right? That's where it's like, okay, that, that, that wasn't for a pandemic, right? That was just so there wasn't any kind of crash in our economy. They've just been- We propped up the system been by making propping money. it up for, for years. And that's really the piece that needs to be addressed. Yeah, when there's pandemics, that's when you pull out the tools and, and use these things for a short-term thing. But why has it been going on for over 10 years, right? That's the main question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the sense of like the economic stimulus and going direct to consumers, I think- it's it's more beneficial than when it was going like just sloshing around as you put it in the rest of the system and not making its way down to the end consumer it, because it did allow a lot of people to make their rent and yeah. to to make it through 2020 and so i'm not i'm not poo-pooing the measures taken there i'm just merely i think it's important for everybody to recognize that the effects of that whether those dollars were going to institutions or to the end consumer regardless there's 40% more dollars in circulation now which just leads to currency devaluation and your money is worth less than it was for better or worse, good intentions or poor intentions. So that's the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. Now the question is, what do we do about it? And what we do about it, we go and we acquire assets, Mm -hmm. assets that are inflationary hedges. You know, you're listening to a multifamily podcast, so we don't need to sell you on that. Like you get what we do, but there's a lot of different types of assets that can offer a very similar inflationary hedge. The key just don't hold cash unnecessarily at the moment. Understand that inflation, it is a very real significant tax. Yeah. yeah. And really the thing to understand here is that even though the dollar and every fiat currency around the world is having the same thing happen, so there really isn't another currency that you could get into unless we want to go into the, the crypto conversation, which would be a, a different episode. But you know, we could look at that as a, a separate asset class. And pretty much anything that you can't produce more of uh, that's got a satisfactory supply demand situation going on. So we like multifamily real estate. We just did an episode on the three top reasons why we like that, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure everybody listened to. Uh, but if you haven't, check it out. Um, but yeah, in addition to that, anything that people need and that there's a demand for that isn't being produced in the same quantities as the new dollars should respond well. So you know, this could be hard assets. This could be um, you know, luxury goods. This could be homes. This could be mobile home parks. This could be land. This could be gold, jewelry, keep listing things. If there's something out there that's a that's a commodity or, or an asset of some kind that, that at least holds its value and it's not being produced at that rate, then you should be pretty good. But ideally, you want something that gives you cash flow and has a bunch of other benefits, which, oh, I don't know, multifamily? Might be good to consider. Multifamily does it. All right. So that's going to do it for us. If this was, if we succeeded in helping demystify the world of inflation and got any value out of this, do us a favor, share this with somebody that might get some equal value out of it. Pay it forward. We would really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week.
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.